Hello there, handball fans. It's Chris O'Reilly here from the Uninformed Handball Hour with a little intro before we go into the first part of the live show we did on Sunday, celebrating passing 200 episodes of this lovely handball podcast. And to celebrate it, we put together one hell of a lineup for you. We had Yahia Omar, Rasmus Boysen, and Courtney Gay, and three of our favorite people to talk to. We had a fourth one lined up, Eduarda Amarim, but unfortunately, she couldn't join us because she has a very good reason why, which uh, I'm not sure we should share at the moment, uh, but hopefully the good news will be shared with you all uh, at one point very soon, uh, and then we can talk about it. But what we did do was have the three of them on together, and a bunch of you who support us on Patreon. We invited all of our Patreon subscribers who were available on the Sunday to come and join us on Zoom to be a part of it, even add a few words as well at different points. There'll be some familiar voices and some not so familiar voices, Uh, but for the most part, it was the six of us, me, Alex, Brian, as well as Courtney. Rasmus and Yahya and we had a fantastic time we were over two hours on the call in total and uh, we went through most of what we planned to do and what we're going to do is share bits of the live show in different podcasts so with episode 201 today we have the first part which is a bit of a Champions League preview review looking at the quarterfinals of what just happened last weekend in the women's competition and looking ahead to this week's quarterfinals in the men's competition. The second part was a big old debate as we tried somehow to create the all-time all-star team in men's handball. Yeah, that was the challenge. But we got there, I think, in the end. That's going to be part two, which is coming out in a couple of days. And then part three, because we had such a worldwide group of guests as well as audience we talked about handball as a global sport and what we can do what can be done to make it a more global sport and not have it so focused on europe in years to come some really interesting points and conversations from everyone involved we had a blast and thank you for those of you who did join us live and for those of you who couldn't make it well you'll get a chance to listen back now so let's dive into part one right now Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Uniform Handball Hour. And we're here today, joined by myself, Brian Campion, Chris O'Reilly, Alex Kulesh, three wonderful guests, Courtney Gillian, Yaya Omar, and Rasmus Boyson, for us to celebrate our 200 episodes of the Uniform Handball Hour. And one of those of wonderful guests who are all on mute at the moment, but might join in a little bit later. So, Chris, what are we doing today then? Nice. Thank you, Brian. You did it. One take. Great job. That's it. Live. Everyone is live. It's different. Yes. Uh, we were going to have Eduarda Amarim as well, uh, but she has a very, very good reason for not being here at the moment, which we can't go into, but maybe later when the podcast comes out, 
and there's good news connected with that. Uh, we can talk about that, but trust us, she has a very good reason for not being with us. But we do have three wonderful guests to cover for her. And yeah, today we're going to go through a little celebration of our 200 episodes as the Unreformed Handball Hour. Uh, we're going to go through some, you know, broad topics as well as some topical ones. So, of course, we're going to go through a little bit on the Champions League uh, with the women's side just completing the quarterfinals. So now we know the final four participants and, of course, the men's quarterfinal coming up uh, this week and the following week. We're also then, with the help of you and our three special guests, come up with the all-time all-star team in men's handball. So throughout the history of the sport, uh, for as long as we can, we're all quite young here, but uh, maybe we'll look back a little bit further and uh, and see if we can come up with an all-time best seven in our humble opinions. And that's where we want your help with as well. After that, we're also going to talk about the the current Champions League format, which is a bit of a, a topic that's close to Alex Kulesh's heart. And he's going to tell us how to fix the competition. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. And uh, looking forward to everyone disagreeing with that later on i have a full i have a spreadsheet okay. so i can actually share the spreadsheet if, oh, yes. if that doesn't bore everyone but i you know <laughs> I, can, I can see how happy yahia's face is with the prospect of that <laughs> <laughs> and then because we have quite an international or worldwide audience as well as the guests here we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, handball as a global sport and what we can all do to make it even more non-european centric in the future. Also, uh, all of you who joined us, please do put in any questions you have, any remarks that, about the things we're talking about into the chat as well. And we'll get to that at various points in the evening, because I have a look at uh, of it here and Alex is going to keep an eye on that as well. There he is saying, welcome everyone. Okay, so let's dive into it. And uh, we'll do a quick little bit on the women's quarterfinals because there was a, a shocking result there. And Brian Campion, you were not at the shocking result, but you were, uh, you are in Bucharest right now where you were just watching uh, Chesima against Team Esbjerg. I was, yeah. And it's it's a shame I wasn't in FTC knowing my, my love for the club. Um, but yeah, Team Esbjerg got the job done. A lot of people were saying beforehand, it's, it's hard to beat Team Esbjerg and it's definitely hard to beat them by four goals. And it never really looked looked too likely for uh, Chesame. Two red cards kind of killed it off for them. The first one for Emily Artson, I think, I don't know where that came from. I don't know what it was exactly. But uh, the second one was was probably probably justified. Overall, just I think Team Esprit are too strong for them. Um, too much going on at the backcourt. And it's, uh, yeah, a lot of tears in the hall. A lot of people crying afterwards. Um, a few players retiring as well. So it was uh, an emotional length to the season. The whole crowd stuck around for the whole thing afterwards as well. So um, they wanted to thank the team because I think they've played very well this season, but just Esberg were just too good for them. Um, every time it came close, they just put their foot down once again and pulled away. So uh, props to Team Esberg and uh, interesting to know what's going to happen now with the friend of the podcast, Adrian Vasily, if he's going to continue now or, mm. or where he'll go from here because it seems like a bit of a, a crossroads. So we'll It'll be interesting to see what happens with him and that project. But tell me about that first red card because I was at a, a different event during the afternoon, so I didn't get to watch the game live. I tried to cheat and watch the highlights, but there's this really annoying thing about the highlights now 
where whenever there's a red card, they show the red card being dished out, but they don't show what happens. Oh, no. They don't show the actual incident. Then what happened? Uh, hard to say. I mean, it, it went in into Vild uh, on the line and Artson was marking her. She was standing inside and I think she fell awkwardly, Vilda, uh, and the referee deemed it as dangerous play and nobody in the arena saw it as dangerous play. I was re-watching it when I recorded on my camera and I couldn't see anything wrong with it. So I, I understood the, the protests around it. I don't know what they were saying. Maybe it was something before that, but uh, I really couldn't, couldn't fathom why it was a red card. Courtney, what handball were you watching this weekend? I, you don't know we're going to throw me under the bus. <laughs> no, I, that's why I asked the question. <laughs> so we don't throw you under the bus. Well, I've read up on the scores and stuff, but yes. uh, if I'm not working, I'm not watching the match. That's right. That, this, is how, this is how Alex does every single podcast, so that's fine. We'll just pretend that. Oh, don't give away the secrets. <laughs> I'm watching every single game. Every single game, every tweet is coming out. I, I'm trying to be like Rasmus, who actually watches every single game. It's... I actually watched the, uh, the first half of the match. I had, I didn't have the opportunity to watch the second half, but I feel like in the end of the first half, it felt like the Bucharesti, they came, they had some momentum and everything like that. So I don't know what happened in the second half. Yep. A few red cards usually don't help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe talking about momentum, FTC, what happened there? How did Mets really throw away that game at home with a six-goal lead? FTC came out with seven-goal victory, 59-58 on aggregate. FTC in their very first EHF Final Four. And finally proving all the doubters wrong and proving Brian Campion right. Well, well, or are you a downer? Are you? A, I don't know. I don't, I, don't know. I, I don't even know where you stand with FTC these days. Like, what is your, what's your feel like them? Me, talk to me now. Yeah, yeah. I I love FTC. That's why I'm like a, a tough father. You know, tough father figure. I want them to do well, and then they always let me down. So I'm really genuinely happy that they they got to the final four. So, and I think it's going to just make the whole final event just that little bit crazier because I think it's just going to be a sea of green the whole weekend. So that I think it's going to be really really special. It's not their first one, though, is it? It's the main day. It is. It is. Now, first final four. They, they have they made uh, semi-finals. Yeah. Yeah, they made semi-finals and a final in two um, before, but that was before mm -hmm. the final four format. Yeah, so first first final four event, which is going to be really cool. So, But bring Andrea Lekic into your team and you make it to the final four. You know, that's that's the that's the recipe there, I think. <laughs> I, I really think that's it. It's just that winning mentality. You, like, FDC for years just didn't have it. And they brought in a proven winner a proven superstar, even not at her peak, but like the change in mentality that, you know, a veteran like that can bring is, is pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any like players in the veteran dressing room who are kind of the, have that winning mentality? Who's like the, the person who just refuses to lose? I think, uh, I think a lot of guys, you know, uh, the team is very competitive. There, there are some more than others for sure. Some even to an extent that is a little bit too much. Is that Kental Bay? He is. He is one tough one. Yeah, really. Um, Tsupara is really much. Uh, Nenadic is for sure. These guys were like uh, 
not even in 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 the games but in the warm up you know so you can you can uh, basically understand how it goes they're always on other like the two teams in the warm up when we make like uh, some football or like plastic ball stuff to warm up the team and it's always fighting all the time so yeah it's 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 fun also. <laughs> Get it. Do you uh, are you able to give us a little bit of perspective here? Because you you've been living in Hungary now the last couple of years. There's a very similar kind of rivalry and expectation on the men's side with Vesprem and Seged. Neither has. There's never been an occasion where both have qualified for the final four. But now we're going to have for the first time the women's side, Jur and FTC. Do you have any any thoughts on what that means to the country and to the handball fans over there? I think it's big because uh, the country is really, you know, uh, passionate about uh, about handball, and they're they're like uh, really hotheads, you know. They're when they're uh, in the stadium, when they're in the in the hall in the arenas, they're not watching just to clap or watching to get entertained. They're watching because if you lose, they're gonna be really sad after. But if you win, they're gonna be really happy. And I feel. That is, this thing is too too important and, and really important in handball, because when when the fans are not only supporting but like it, it affects them, they're they're into the sport too much. Like what what we see in football and people going crazy about the games and this is is really important to the sport because it doesn't it doesn't get boring. You know? People are always. Sad if you lose or depressed, and and then really happy that they're crying. This emotion is is really important in in handball. I think the Hungarians are one of the countries that have this really good, and rivalry makes it even better. You know, derbies are the best thing in in handball and and in best thing in sports that you have people talking about the their teams all year long. In every game, they want their team to be better and. For two teams from the same country like Hungary to be in the final four, I, I can imagine how it would be in, in in the men's side. So on the women's side, also it it is really big for them, and I really enjoy watching them uh, and watching their fans. They're supporting like uh, I think it's it's one sport for women which fans are really really passionate about. I don't see it in in other sports too much. You mentioned the the, uh, the derby side of it. Isn't that just the, the semi-final draw is going to be on Tuesday? It can't be anything except FTC against Stuart in one semi-final and then Esberg against Vipers in the other. That That is the perfect pair of semi-finals. Am I right, Courtney? Uh, no, I mean, well... No! I see your point. But <laughs> I, I'm, I have to say I'm kind of with Brian. I'm a, I'm a fan of FTC. I wouldn't mind to see them. I, I feel like it will be tougher to face Cure, the most experienced at the final four so i'd like to see them face someone else so but ftc have their number this year they they won the hungarian cup they've been beating cure a little yeah more frequently these days so that that's uh i don't know i don't know if they're in their head at the moment or just it, it doesn't really matter it comes down to the day either team can win it does and the truth is we've seen at the final four usually pretty tough for the debutants to uh win the semi-final so let's see about that factor i think it's a pretty strong trend in the women's final four especially that the the team playing their first final four is usually defeated in the semi-final i feel though like let's have the hungarian derby in one semi-final the norwegian derby i know it's esbjerg but 
half of them Norwegian <laughs> or Norwegians uh, in the other in the other semi final. Uh, well, talking about the players a little bit uh, because the FTC team is uh, you know has a few few players who've been there for quite a while, and there's that little German contingent as well. You mentioned Alex uh, Andrea Lekic that's come into it. Are there any any players in particular, Courtney, that you know over the years that you're particularly happy? to see getting into the final four for the first time. Yeah, well, this is why I like FTC because of the the individual players. I'm a big fan of Emily Bulk and Alicia Stoller for years uh, before Julia Benke, who obviously left now. But as you mentioned, the German contingent, I was a big fan of that German contingent at FTC. Um, Kluba, we've been watching for years and she's just outstanding. So as you guys mentioned, it seems Lekic probably was like the key to come in and help these young, younger, less experienced, but really talented and great players to find that final key to reach the final four. And uh, Marcio Menino has just joined our audience as well. And uh, that's just reminded me that I, I won't be able to say Bruna Jabaula this time at the final four because Mets haven't qualified, which I'm really, I mean, I'm delighted for FTC's sake, but you know, Mets seemed like to be the uh, the informed team for the entire season, which uh, makes it even more of a shock that they've been knocked out here. And uh, I think you mentioned already there, Brian, uh, that it, it was 17-17 at halftime, uh, which is a pretty incredible turnaround. Then in the second half, a seven-goal loss, and FTC into the final four. Uh, shall we shift on to the the men's quarterfinals then? Next, or anything else we want to touch on on the women's side? I mean, Esbjerg qualifying, as I said, Brian, isn't a huge surprise at the end of the day. Uh, Vipers, I think, really just cruised in there. And Jura, I think, pretty much have an automatic berth in the final four these days as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just good that we have at least one different team for a bit of different flavor in there, because it's the exact same thing as last year, I think, would be a bit stale. So it's good that FTC are in the mix. So yes, yeah, so on to the men, as you said. Well, we we got us, we have Yahi here. And uh, I think that's the matchup of the the quarterfinals. That is Veshfren versus Kielsa. Um, maybe yeah, what's been your just perspective being kind of on the outside, being injured? Maybe first, how are you doing? How's the injury going? I've been seeing that um, you've had uh, you've been making lots of progress. Uh, how are you feeling these days? I'm I'm feeling really good actually. Uh... I think there was a lot of positive things that I gained through this uh, this injury. It's it's tough, you know. It's tough news when when everyone tells you what you have and and you start doing the surgery and this. But uh, the past uh, three four years have been really difficult. Living outside in in Europe for the first time and and you know playing in that rhythm in Champions League every week is is really hard, especially when you're when when you're young. But uh, I felt that uh, it 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 gave me a break a little bit now, so I'm just uh, gathering up my power again, and uh, the training is doing really good. My my leg is uh, is doing really good, and and I lost some kilos after the surgery. I gained it back now, so I'm training really good, and I feel I'm gonna go back now to to West Ham soon to start training a little bit with the, with the ball and the court and stuff like this. So I'm. Uh, I took a break, and now I'm excited about handball again. You know, nice. No, that's that's great to hear because, of course, you've been. You know, there's been all the international competitions with Egypt, the Olympics, everything just rolling all together. 
Um, that's a really good perspective on an injury to give you a, a mental break. That, that's amazing. But kind of being with the team and kind of seeing how the season has evolved, do you get a different perspective kind of being outside of that daily rhythm and just seeing kind of different things, how the team evolves? Yeah, it's really different, you know, when you're outside and inside, it's really different because in, in Vesper especially, it's it's always pressuring. The the games are a lot, especially this season, they play the, against Seged a lot. And and this is tough, you know. It's, uh, we were speaking about the derbies and and they played a lot of games in maybe like in one month and a half, it was a lot of games. And um, they hope, like, thank God that they, they won it all. They won the, they passed in the Champions League and they won the cup and, and now they're going to be ready for, for the quarterfinals and the final four. But uh, I feel that the season is so long, you know, it's ups and downs and this. And when you look from outside, the perspective from me here being calm is, okay, we're doing fine. You know, we won the cup, we're in the final for the, for the league. We're going to play quarterfinal. It's, it's doing really good. But when, for sure, if you ask all the guys now, they're... They're not in so calm like me because they're going now and on Thursday on a on a really tough game, and everyone knows that Kelsey is a really good team and and it's just pressuring because you have like one year of, of working and one year of training every day, and it all uh, is gonna matter on just like these two sixty minutes uh, in two weeks. If you're in the if you're in the moment, if you're playing good, then the final four if not then come back next tomorrow <laughs> i remember last year the uh the first leg of the quarterfinals i think actually we spoke to you on the podcast just before that because uh, you were coming up against alborg and it was such an impressive first leg from the team that it really like you booked your spot in the the final four with that performance at home um i think back then you had a a kind of a I'd say not a carefree approach to it, but you felt very confident having that first leg at home because that's the only thing you can really control at first. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think the team is approaching it in a, a similar way now? It's going to be tough going to Poland, but first leg at home I is good. Yes, I think yes, especially that uh, it's been now after the international break and, and some time. They didn't have like a serious uh, hard match in the past two, three weeks, and, and maybe people don't get it so much, but when you're playing a really tough game every week, you're used to it. But when you rest for a couple of weeks, you need like one, two good games to come back in your top, top form. Because you you push every day in training 100%, you push in the games, but in these like tough moments, you're giving this 120% and and when you're used to it, when you're playing frequently on the high level, you're already on the form. So it's been some weeks now that they didn't. So I feel it's really, really good for us that we play the first game at home because you have the home advantage. You're not going to travel the day before. You have your guys resting. Hopefully that uh, that's good news that everyone till now is, is healthy. We don't have any injuries. Uh, so... I think it's it's actually good in this quarterfinal to to play the first game home, and then the second if you play a good game and you win, then the second game is 
the pressure is on them, you know. They want to come back from 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 the score that they have a disadvantage, but you already have a good momentum. So I think it's 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 good. I have the same approach like last year. That psychological side is really interesting. I, does anyone know any stats about how often it's the home team for the first game that goes through? Like, Rasmus boys. Rasmus boys. Actually, I don't. I don't know to be honest. Uh, no, but I think that it's also funny to talk about that fact that uh, yeah, here mentioned it. Vestrum has has played a lot of uh, very very interesting and dramatic matches against Seged and now also in the knockout phase uh, and Kielce. They haven't played in this season uh, a lot of very very vital matches. Uh, so that's the first very important match for them uh, matchup now. So I think that it will be very interesting to see how they cope with that. I'm not putting you under pressure now, uh, Rasmus, uh, and I know Yaya's on the call, but who do you fancy for that uh, quarterfinal? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> you know, Vestrum have, have been my team since the beginning of 2000, uh, my second team after Scan. But, so, of, of course, I support uh, Vestrum, but I think that Kielce, they maybe have uh, a little bit more depth in the squad. I have them as small favorites, but I think that players like Rasmus Lauge and uh, especially uh, also Remeli, who have uh, been integrated in, in the team of West Bram so fast, I think that's very, very uh, yeah, good for them. I think that the, maybe the defense of West Bram is a little bit weaker than, not weak, but weaker than Kielse. So I think that Kielse might be small favorites. How does that make you feel, Yahya? No going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think Rasmus will have the statistics in uh, one hour for the, the, first, the whole team. I'll wait. Alex, what do you reckon? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a really good point uh, about Kielsa not having the big games um, at all this season, really. Um, and they did uh, lose against Plotsk in the league when they did have the big one. And they have certainty around their future now so that that question mark is kind of gone industria have come in and saved saved the day uh so we do thank uh, barlinek as well and barlinek sorry barlinek is the, the most the important one savior. yeah that's the most important <laughs> one industry you know you get, they stayed they stayed <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't like uh that that terrible polish beer that we all hate now well, yeah so i can't even remember the name of it yeah. uh, <laughs> Courtney, what uh, what of the other three games really stands out for you? Oh, Plotsk Magdeburg, mm. uh, of course. I mean, the the others we've we've seen a lot more of. So you know, I always like to see something new, and I I think Magdeburg are great to watch and very interesting. So uh, I'm that's very interesting for me. Uh, I like the Kiel PSG tie. That's always they've played each other several times in a row now, haven't they? Uh, I hope for Kiel there. I like them. Yeah, I, I think those two games are quite interesting because, you know, you, you have the, it's that kind of the Bundesliga clubs, both teams are in the depths of a really intense Bundesliga title race and they're giving all of their energy. But, you know, what, what Yahya mentioned previously is that, you know, because they're in this 120% mode, it, there's no difference. This is just another game, whether it's, you know, a tight game against Bergesher for 
Magdeburg or um, a quarterfinal, they're going to approach it in the same way. And I think for once, you know, both teams are fairly injury free. Um, of course, Magdeburg missing Magnussen is, is huge and Saugstrup as well, you know, but they've settled into those kind of um, uh, ongoing squad. Um, I actually think that they have an advantage going into these quarterfinals as opposed to a disadvantage. Brian, you yeah. go on. I was going to ask you a question, Brian. Yeah, I have a question for you now, just because I know you, you, uh, you're you a bit of a, a self-professed handball nerd. Out of the teams that are left in the Champions League, which teams do you like the style of handball or to watch as a neutral perspective? Not what, not what your best friend Doddle's on, but from a purely handball, I like this style of handball. Well, there uh, it depends on uh, like in playing against or watching because I watch it because they're watching first. Now let's say playing against. Okay, uh, I like uh, I like actually Kielce how they play because they play in a, in really harmonic way. They always you see a lot of curves going on and a lot of I don't like teams who so much to watch who are running only shooting only. I like to see a lot of like uh, like handball passing. Uh, making some tactics. Uh, I like to watch these kind of teams. So I'm also a bit of biased uh, towards the Spanish system because I've been training with it since uh, since a long time. So Barca also is one one fun team to watch. So I think I'm always on this side of handball rather than this uh, the run and gun uh, style way. GOG, see you be a GOG ticket holder. Season ticket holder anytime soon. <laughs> uh, for me, it's actually the same as uh, here. Uh, I also like uh, that uh, kind of uh, playing uh, system, not only run and gun, but also the defense for me is very interesting to watch. Of course, I, I played myself as a defense specialist. So I think that Plotsk uh, this season has been very, very interesting to see. Sabate is a very tactically strong coach, I think, uh, and they have the ability to play physically strong in the defense, but also to do uh, something tactically against the other teams. I think they did that in the second match against Nantes. So I also like Plotsk to to watch them play because they also offensively, I think, have some uh, individually skilled players who are very, very strong at their own. So, uh, yeah, but I don't like uh, where handball going right now with uh, 40 goals uh, by each team in each match. Uh, I like more defense. I like more physical, strong uh, teams. So that's how it is for me. 40 goals and 40 steps. It's becoming a little bit like NBA. You just scored in the place. Just everybody scoring, nobody defending. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, we have a lot of, well, Rasmus, are you just saying that because there'd be no time for you to get back in defense uh, <laughs> as a substitute? No. Time's over. That time's over. <laughs> um, but Brian, we spoke to uh, Javi Sabate a couple of weeks ago and a really interesting chat with him. Uh, I'm, I would say before the, uh, I mean, once we knew that was the quarterfinal, you would have been leaning very heavily towards Magdeburg. Has he changed your opinion a little bit on on how this quarterfinal is set up? I don't know. That's a lot hard. I think, a lot, I mean, everyone's going for Magdeburg and I think that's maybe slightly foolish. I think Zabi Zabath is probably one of the most underrated coaches I think we have in handball. I think he kind of flies under the radar a lot and he does a lot of good work. So I definitely wouldn't count them out. I think especially in Poland, it's, that's going to be such a huge match for them. So 
they have uh, unbelievable support there in Potsdam. Marcia, you've been there a few times as well. You know all about that. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a really really good fan base. So that game in Poland would be would probably would be would be key for them if they're gonna if they're gonna progress. They're gonna have to really try and come away with a bit of a cushion there. If not, then it, it will be tough once they go to Germany. Then anyone giving Georgi a chance against Barca? I I am giving them a chance. I'm giving them a strong chance. And Rasmus is shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to ask you because I, I I think we had a Twitter exchange. I think it was a private message a while ago, and I said that this gay gay team is special, and I I believe that you know that it's it's a fantastic makeup, you know, fantastic style. I like the the run and gun style, um, but you said that they're not special. <laughs> Why? Well, you know, not absolutely special i know i think we all recognize they're a great team but why do you think they're just a great team and not a special team yeah of course maybe they are special in a danish kind of way they play uh, no one play like Diogi because they run a lot uh, and they have uh, a very uh, special style offensively uh, with Morten Olsen, who is for me one of the smartest player in the world he has he has abilities to do a lot of stuff, but I, I just don't see them as special uh, in in the world of handball. Of course, they have made a lot of great uh, great results, but okay, going into the knockout phase, it's something else. And I have huge respect for what they've done. They they have been uh, pretty uh, pretty bad actually in the last month, uh, and they have huge problems in in the Danish playoffs. So. For me, I don't see them have, uh, having a chance against uh, Barcelona. Barcelona is way too strong. Uh, also, uh, the fact that Barcelona is maybe one of the uh, only team who, who could maybe run the same as Gok. So I don't see uh, Gok uh, could surprise them as much as uh, they could have surprised some of the other uh, clubs. Uh, so for me, it's very, very difficult for Gok. But yeah, they are special maybe in the Danish way. But looking historically, I don't think they are that special. Yeah. Moving on before before we move on to uh, our central topic here for this two hundred celebration of two hundred episodes podcast, a quick fire the four teams that are going through to the final four. Then, Courtney, Barca, Vestrem, Kiel, Magdeburg, Rasmus. I'll go with uh, Magdeburg, Magdeburg, Kiel, uh, Barca, and Kiel. Yeah, yeah. Who's joining Vestrem? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Westham, uh, Barca, Magdeburg, and I think Paris. Alex? Uh, I actually have the same ones as yeah here. Brian? Yes. If I does. I'd go for Poisk, he says, no one else did, so at least I'll have that soundbite that I can post online later when I, I'm the only one who got it right. So Poisk, I'd go PSG as well. I'd go Westbrem, and then I'll go Thank you, Arthur. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I reckon uh, much like we're having two Hungarian teams at the Hungarian women's final four, we're going to have two German teams at the men's final four. Magdeburg, Eel, Vesprem, and Giogi, no Barca. Any, anyone... In the chat, anyone uh, in the audience who has a completely different opinion, Merle Schach is there from Keeler Lockrichton. Too many PSGs being mentioned there for your liking? Well, no, I mean, that's been a great quarterfinal the past two years. So I think uh, 
Yeah, it's really interesting to see. Um, so far, always the team who had the second leg at home won Adventure Cologne. So that would point the direction Paris now. But I think maybe, as we've seen, Sanders Lagos and the Lakers have been playing yeah, great during the last weeks they have with the, with the club and before leaving the club. And also I remember Sagos having like not a good game um, two years ago in Paris in the size of match. So maybe that was like, yeah, all set for revenge then. Mm. I think somebody came with their stats ready to go. Thank I you, Merla. I think that's the reason why PSG will win, you know. It's just going just gonna to go against that. Just going to say that's why PSG is going to win. Uh, anyway, uh, Marcio, seeing as you, you jumped in there, who else who's joining PSG? <laughs> in the other, you, know, you don't know the other quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah, you're not nervously looking up the other times. Because the other was, I said, like, yeah, you said Vesprem, I think so, also. I think Kielsa, although they have this new sponsor, things might not be as good as they seem in the, in the locker room because you never know. No, they missed once, they missed twice. Spirity theory. Yeah, you're the like, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, the Barca, sure, for sure. I think uh, Giogi can do something at home, but the first leg is in uh, in Barcelona, so I think they'll kind of crush all the chances at home. And uh, yeah, and uh, Magdeburg. Although Ports get home, and as Brian was saying, that crowd behind the goal is intimidating. Can you say Magdeburg again? I love how you pronounce that. It's so Portuguese. No, no, no. I don't know. If, if I say it in Portuguese, if I say it in Magdeburg, if I say in Portuguese, Magdeburg, you know? Magdeburg. Magdeburg. I love us. I love us. I don't want people to be called out now on pronunciations when we're about to go into a bunch of names. Yeah. Well, yeah here we go. All times. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of that. The Brian Campion hour. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> on to the. So, part one is over. And in the next episode, 202, we go into the all time all star team for men's handball. That'll be the biggest part. And it's going to come out later this week in the meantime all i can say is thank you all for listening to this thank you to all of you who listened to us over the last 200 episodes whether you've been with us from the very start in september 2017 or whether you just joined us a couple of days ago it's a joy to have you all on this journey and if you want more including weekly short episodes the 15 minute long tuesday morning club then do join us on Patreon right now. We have a bunch of different tiers to fit whatever kind of fan you are and uh, what you would like to contribute. Please do get involved in the community. And until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>